You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Pride of Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's gonna be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook, live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. I'm just going to say it off the top. I don't care if the playoffs weren't on the line. I don't care if the game was meaningless. And I don't care if people were saying that, why are you celebrating a game that doesn't mean anything? to the Lions. Let me tell you, it meant something to the Lions because there's more in sports than just playing for the playoffs. There's playing for pride. There's playing for a win in the moment. There's playing for yourselves. There's playing for that moment right now, especially when that moment is, by all accounts, supposed to be for the other guy. We like to go to narratives prematurely in sports. We like to go to them. And we believed last night, when I say we, I speak across the country, not Detroit, across the country, believed this was the coronation night of the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, that this was the night that they would have their their woeful season finally turned around and they would go into the playoffs and make the magical run heading into the playoffs, maybe even to the Super Bowl. <clears throat> so many people talking about it. All the people, all the people talking about it. It's what the NFL wants was the conspiracy theory. It's all there. It's all right there for them. The Seahawks have eliminated the Lions already. Just lie down. Just lie down. No, no. Dan Campbell doesn't know how to lie down because he can't read the sign saying lie down. No. Lions crapped on that. They crapped on it. And that makes this game one hell of a game. And that's why I love it. I'm Christopher Fett. The adequate host at Christopher Fett on Twitter. Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader, the producer of Pride of Detroit, uh, trying to get as many naps in as he can on on locker cleanout day here, coming right back from Allen Park. How's it going, buddy? Uh definitely running on some fumes here, but uh feels like I, I got a pretty big uh pretty 
uh, full tank still, uh, given how much energy I, I got from last night's game. And, uh, you know, that, that should be able to carry, carry me at least for the next couple of weeks before we get into oh, my favorite thing off season talk. If you missed the post game celebration stream last night is still up on video on demand on Twitch for a while. Uh, spoiler alert, Mina Kimes from ESPN joined us in forging a new Seahawks Lions alliance. And I have to bury my I have to bury my bad feelings about them. But like, look, look, she was. I, like Mina. Her to yes, I don't I don't have to ally, form an alliance with the Seahawks because they I mean, they're they're the reason why the line season is over. Let's get the third man's opinion there. Ryan Matthews. It's the rock guy. At Ryan underscore P-O-D. How we doing, buddy? The Lions played last night? <laughs> I missed you it. Putting the kids to bed? Yeah, for four hours. That game, man, it felt like it took a lot longer than than anything else. But um, by the time it was over, it was sweet, sweet victory. <laughs> I'm still, grinning, I, I'm still grinning ear to ear about this game. I really am. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> Ryan, you're so subdued. What's happening right now? I, I'm not a monkey. I don't dance for you guys. Oh, like, <laughs> wow, wow, okay. okay. Jeez. Wow. Sorry. Let me go put the luchador mask on right now. I am holding <laughs> back hacking coughs. I will do it. I will be the raving lunatic if you will not take up that role. I'm just ready to start talking about stuff like. Where should we start? Where do we start? We always start somewhere, right? And that's like big, big boy takeaways, yeah, right? Why, let's, yeah, fire let's, it up, Ryan. Let's, let's hear it. Yeah, yeah. What what is the what is the biggest story out of this? Like, put put aside individual performances. We'll get to them, and God knows I'm going to get to at least one man who I think should be a lion for life. But what is the biggest story out of this game, Ryan? We don't have to talk about Jared Goff this offseason. Hmm. We, we, we don't have to, we don't have to come up with an immediate plan. And I think for some people that was a concern. Uh, I think for, for those people who, let me rephrase this. I think for those people who thought it could be a concern this off season um, from the very moment they traded for him, it will continue to be a point of consternation and they will continue to think about life after Jared Goff. But I thought the biggest test that anybody faced last night was Jared Goff. And it was, it was rocky. It was shaky there for a minute. And there was a lot of glove talk and there were a lot of errant passes. There were a lot of, there were a lot of bad throws. He he had the glove on to start, to start Carolina as well. So I think it carried over from that too. Yeah. And then in the second half, I don't know if I've seen a bigger 180 from Jared Goff in his Lions career. I mean, it was, it was almost night and day and kudos and credit where it's all deserved there as, you know, as Dan Campbell talked about uh, in, in the post game um, or not in the post game, but uh, today with the media, he talked about, you know, there was a question about, you know, which individual accolades kind of like were um, the, the biggest to you that kind of like paint the picture of, you know, th- this team and, and how you'll remember it. And, you know, he had some, and one of his biggest take- takeaways was Jamal Williams and his thousand yard season and breaking Barry Sanders touchdown record. But he kept on coming back to like this idea of, you know, none of these things happen without other players, right? Yeah. Jamal Williams doesn't break that record without the offensive line. Aiden Hutchinson isn't, you know, putting up big sack numbers. If it isn't for guys like John Kaminsky, who are, you know, holding their own. Uh, 
Jared Goff held his own last night, and he went toe-to-toe with a future Hall of Famer, first ballot, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and he didn't blink. And that was what I talked about, Jeremy, in in our first Bite podcast. um, The one thing I think I know was, hey, the team that wins the turnover battle is going to win the football game. Check your mark. Jared Goff didn't blink, man. He went yeah. he went toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau and won the football game and knocked the Packers out of the playoffs. Yeah, and and you're you're 100% right on everything you just said because there are still going to be people that that mock quarterbacks to the to Detroit Lions but they're not they're not paying attention or they're they're pushing their own narrative. Um because Dan Campbell if you, if you go back and watch his post-game press conference just absolutely showering praise on Jared Goff, not only for, for last night's performance, but for the reason why the Lions were in the position they were in last night, which was on the verge of a playoff berth. Um, this team has thrown their support 100% behind Jared Goff, and he's done nothing this season after the bye week to say, oh, this was a mistake. No, he is the team's franchise quarterback for the future right now. There's there's just there's no question about it. Um, and, and he, last night... Wasn't his best night. I'm a little surprised by his very high PFF grade, to be completely honest. But he also made the best throw I've ever seen him make in a Detroit Lions uniform. That, that deep bomb ball, to, right? Yeah. That bomb to Khalif Raymond was insane. And it, it's interesting, too, because I think that's been the one thing that we've been missing, right? We, we we talk about Jared Goff a lot on this podcast, as every podcast, I think, every Lions podcast does, because it's an interesting storyline and it's a pivotal one. Um, but the one thing we we kind of consistently say about him is that, well, he's doing a good job eliminating the mistakes. He's he's eliminating the negative plays, but he's never going to be one of those Josh Allen guys who who makes huge plays that just make your jaw drop. That was a jaw dropping throw. One hundred percent from the outside the left hash mark, throwing it 50 yards downfield to the opposite side of the field and dropping it in a bucket. That was the missing piece that that can change the conversation from. Jared Goff being a eight to 12 quarterback in this league to maybe taking that next step. And I'm not saying he's going to, but, but throws like that, if those become more commonplace, then, then, then we can start having that discussion. Not, not just that too, but also the, the savviness down the stretch to lead and all. The only thing I've really wanted from Jared Goff is just more, and he's been doing it now late in the season, leading these offenses in key moments to put a game away. To make sure those balls go to the right hands, be it fourth and one or anything before that. And he's doing all of that. He he does all of that because at the end of the day, we can talk about the macro game of a quarterback. When it comes down to that final drive, though, that's all you really need. And that's all you really desire from a quarterback is a I hate to use the word, but clutch performance. To do exactly what you need to do to put the other team away. He's doing that. And then there was the other narrative that he, I mean, kind of put to bed was like Jared Goff can't play in cold weather. And or on the road or on the road. Just the, the home away splits were brought up a lot for him. No, yeah, they're, they're in stark contrast. I think on that Jared Goff throw, had they been playing at AT&T, uh, the Cowboy Stadium, that ball would have hit the Jumbotron. <laughs> <laughs> it he felt like that, that ball had so much underneath it and it needed to in order to to get yeah. where it needed to be. But that's my big takeaway. And um, I mean, it, it's one that like, I don't, I don't know if there's, I, I don't know if there would have been a bigger question mark this off season. If, if Jared Goff would have came out and laid an egg and if the, if the lions would have, if they would have, 
you know, been taken to task. And, you know, as Chris mentioned, if all those narratives that big media was pushing in terms of, Hey, the lions, you know, they're, they're not the, they're not the team that everybody wants in the playoffs, like the Packers and Aaron Rodgers and this, that, and so forth. I mean, I'm just so thankful. Thank you, Jared Goff, for <laughs> for making my job a lot easier right. for the next, you know, four months. We we talk about that guy every week on the podcast, and now we don't have to the entire offseason. Jeremy, what's yeah. your uh, what's your takeaway here from this game? I, I think it has to just be the coaching staff, man. Like I've never been so full in on a coaching staff from top to bottom than I am right now. Um, because that I, I usually don't buy into the culture narrative. I, I try I try to ignore like uh, culture is not that important. I mean, you, you want your players to to like work, work, but like the whole grittiness stuff like that sort of stuff doesn't work on me. That's that's kind of football talk and ever in, in platitudes. But at the same time. To develop a a culture where everything matters. Every single time you go on the field matters. That it's easy to say that sort of stuff. It's not easy for, for it to go out and, and do it because listen, there are probably players on every single team that once playoffs are out of the picture, they're going to lose a little bit of extra juice. They're going to, it, it's natural. People are human beings. It's not, they're not giving up. They're not giving it, you know, they're, they're, they're not, they don't have, you know, less pride in their game. It's just kind of a natural ball. The stakes aren't quite as high. I'd be a little bit more amped if, uh, if playoff, if, if, if there were true, true, true stakes. Um, but this coaching staff has not only curated a roster of guys that are capable of of turning it up to eleven every single time they step on the field, but they've they've created that culture and it and it matters and it and it it shows. And Can I'm not I'm not I'm not going to be here and, and say here that you know the the Lions wanted it more than the Packers. The Packers wanted it plenty. The Lions were just a better team, but they were the better team. And they were motivated. And the one thing before I let you get in there, Chris, I want to say is I was I was interested to see how much the Lions would lead into this as a rivalry game because they are a very young team that I mean, they to be honest, like they, there, there hasn't been a lot of rivalry moments with the Packers recently. Not that the Lions haven't played them competitively. They have. But last year, you know, the, the season finale was, you know, a, a nothing game for the Packers. They they were already in. The Lions were already out. Um, it just didn't seem like there's been a lot of stakes to this game. But whether it's Deshaun Elliott going after Aaron Rodgers or um, basically everyone on the Lions were, were all in on this game. Kirby Joseph talking smack about Aaron Rodgers. Like they fully bought into this rivalry and now it feels like an actual rivalry. I'm not sure if the Packers feel it yet. I think they're still a little too shell-shocked to even consider that the Lions are just a better football team than them and and beating them is not like now the power dynamics have changed. We're the team in charge. They need to be scared of us. Yeah. And not my takeaway yet, but to build on what you said, I think in a large part, Dan Campbell and the coordinators for the lions out Matt LaFleur schematically. I think there's no better example of that. And you've, you touched on that uh, uh, on your on your Twitter account. We touched on the post game, Jeremy. The decision to decline the intentional offsides on second and one to give yourself another down because you know you're going to convert from second and one. That's a high conversion rate play, and to give yourself the other down, the savviness to decline that to give yourself another down to keep burning clock off there. I don't know many other like that. That that is a Matt Lafour stratagem there. And Dan Campbell called his bluff on the river. 
I think I got my poker terms right. (laughs) It sounds right to me. And and the the thing that the lines have been so amazing at over the past month that that has really led on this, you know, eight and two stretch is those critical downs. It's it's the fourth downs. It's the thirds downs. It's the fourth quarter drives. It's the being able to to do a four minute drill at the end of this ball game it, and close out. They were, it's the they trick were too- plays that don't feel like you know desperation trick plays. Right. That hook and ladder was called naturally, perfectly yeah. naturally. Like it and was it wasn't like it scored done. a touchdown. It turned a a second and twelve into a third and four or third and three. Like it wasn't monumental, but it was smart. And and you know they're two for two. On fourth downs, they get a fourth down stop, a key first fourth down stop early in that game. And and a lot of that is coaching. Like, I don't want to take anything away from the players, but you're dialing up the smart plays. Um, you're 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 dialing the smart plays defensively. We we've we've sat here and criticized Aaron Glenn plenty of times for maybe being a little bit too aggressive on third, some third downs, but he got aggressive on a third down that forced Aaron Rodgers to throw one final pass in that football game, and he left Kirby Joseph out there, picked it off. And ball game, Aaron Rodgers never sees the ball again. So um, I just I couldn't be more thrilled with the with the coaching staff that the Lions currently have, and I I sure hope they all get to come back next year. All right, my takeaway is this, and this is where I am going to I'm going to buck Jeremy a little bit on the ideas of culture because I do think they matter, especially to to players. At the end of the day, I think there is something about in sports that players, even professionals, buy into about an aura. Um, about a team because damn, damn sure knows that if you go and play in for, for Lambeau or the green Bay Packers, they believe in their aura and they believe in their aura of title town and everything else. And this is where my takeaway is brand new lions got cemented brand new lions got cemented. Don't ever say same old lions again. This is a ship of Theseus. I learned that from a Marvel show. Apparently like there is no original part that you can point to and say same old lions. You know Why? The GM is new. All that same old lion stuff was happening with past coaches. The coach is new. The the and 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 it, not just new, but now on the second year of of proving to you how they can get guys to buy in, to believe in a vision, and to keep fighting even when everything else, every other stake is lost. The 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 type of situations the Lions were put in, be it starting at one and six. And not throw in the towel, but to come right back and keep swinging to get back into the season. To this game itself, where you get eliminated from playoff contention early on in the day, and it doesn't matter at all, a, a damn lick. That, 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 like, to still get your guys fired up for that game at that point matters. That matters to a brand new Lions culture. Sheila Hamp was in the locker room. After the game, during the celebration, Dan Campbell gave her a game ball. And I know in Detroit, we are conditioned top to bottom to just despise the Ford family because this has been the one that was supposed to be the one piece that like connected past and present that the Ford family is the reason why the Lions are losing this, that and the other thing. What Dan Campbell said about Sheila Hamp, that she gave us she basically gave us everything we needed, every resource we needed to be successful. That's what you want to hear about a owner. You don't want to hear about an owner meddling in there. Just literally like, what do you need? All right, I will get it for you. And this seems to be a vision. And the fact that she's in that locker room, that the, that the coach is, is going to talk to her, but also the coach speaks like Dan Campbell, talks like Dan Campbell and gets it reciprocated from his players. That shows a shared vision and a belief in the self 
that quite honestly, I don't remember the last time I could say that about any team, any organization formed at any point in the past for the Detroit Lions. Maybe it falls apart. Maybe it falls apart at some point down the road. But now we've got two years of it. We've got we've got two years of it forged by a really bad year and a half of a bad year. And somehow it hasn't been shaken. And we've talked plenty of times in the past, what happens when this, when these Lions teams, is that positivity, is that culture going to survive when they start racking up a ton of, ton of losses? It seems pretty resilient. It seems pretty resilient. It seems to take a lot of blows and it c- keeps coming right back to still play in the biggest moments. And that's same, that's brand new Lions right there. And you can tell that to every radio head out there, every writer in Detroit, every last one with a column, a radio show, whatever you want. You cannot bust out same old Lions ever again. You can't. You just can't. You can't tell me this is same old Lions that they beat the Packers twice and don't make the playoffs because you're wrong. Because you're not seeing what's in front of you. You're, you're reading a box score and not watching what these guys are saying, how they're playing for each other. The, the guys on the team that have these hearts like Jamal Williams and all the rest. Like, I'm sorry. That's my takeaway. Brand new fucking Lions. And you know me, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to be the damn Homer here, but like, holy crap, I am nothing but impressed from the Lions after this it's, game. It's hard to see even any red flags right now. And I know that's a dangerous thing to say. I know. I know. I know. And I know, I know, I know there are going to be people that, that pull back because this team hasn't accomplished any of the major goals that they want to accomplish, right? They haven't even made the playoffs. Um, I think the the big white whale that this franchise is still chasing is a playoff win, let alone a championship run. And and there are going to be, be people that hold out until they see at least something close to that. And they're not quite there yet, but they do have a winning record. And and I th- I think we, again we have to we have to pull back and we have to remember just how big of a hole this this team started in a a year and a half ago. Uh, a, a, a crater of a franchise left by by Matt Tr- Patricia, and and yeah, like like everything is new right now. New owner, new GM, new head coach, and I know we've seen some quick turnarounds in, in the NFL, but I, to me, this is a quick turn turnaround. This is already very quick, and they they've they've dug out the the foundation here, and so there's no reason to believe that eventually the trajectory of this team will continue to go up because it's so young of a roster, because now they're going to be entering, you know, year three of, of some of these um, schemes and ideas and coaches and relationships. And so, and, and chemistry with each other. So yeah, brand new lines, hundred percent. You're scaring me, Ryan. I, I don't know what else to add. Feels like we're at the end of the segment. <laughs> just, I'm just looking for buy-in, <laughs> pushback, anything. Uh, um, I don't know. I, I think, I think I want to believe in all that stuff, but uh, guys, we're all we're all Lions fans. <laughs> like I know, we're, we're I've seen it before. We're, I'm ready for this. I, I'm ready I know, for the collapse. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I th- that's like the only thing that's keeping me from from not buying all the way in. Well, but. I, Sorry, go on. Yeah, <clears throat> no, um, I, I I shouldn't say not buying in because I mean I've I've been sold on Dan Campbell since day one, um, and and I've been pretty ardent in that belief. But like I I think the the better the better way to talk about it is like not just like going in there with blind faith. You know what I mean? Like yes, that this is a watershed moment, and the like the Detroit Lions had a statement victory. 
that I talked to Jeremy about this, but like this was a statement victory that you can look back five years from now and say that was the turning point. Like that was the game that made all the difference in what has happened in, in these past five years. If you're looking from that perspective and I am just way too excited for next season. Like I am, too. I, I, I don't know if I've been more excited for football this far away. Listen, and like, me... and like nothing else, like the playoffs are going to like, I don't know. The playoffs would be entertaining, but like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it through like full playoff games and be like, I, I don't care. Like I want to watch my football team. Like I want to watch my team that to be honest, should be here instead of the Seahawks should be here instead of the Vikings should be here, you know, instead of the New York giants. There's a lot of people who are saying that right now today too, that they want to see the Lions. that they are the most fun team. They want to see them in the playoffs. I will. Let let me say this. Let me, let me temper it on this part. I'm not saying that you did a, you should buy all in into the lions, but if they do fail again, it won't be because it won't be because of same old lions. They'll fail on their own merits. For something else. This is I'm saying this is brand new Lions for a new vision, for a new vision for a team, what it should be. And it is an affirmation of everything I thought that Dan Campbell could be bringing when he got to Detroit. Now, that ha- that vision now has to be tempered, like uh, test tested, as you said, it has to get to the playoffs. It has to win playoff games, it has to go far. Like, I understand that. But it won't. But if the, if it fails, it won't be because of same old Lions. All right. Uh, the Pride of Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. So the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. And boy, do they have a, they brought Ryan. They must have brought a truckload of that stuff up to them, up to Lambeau Field with them. Right. I, I mean, how much has James Houston eaten over the past six, seven weeks? Oh, my God. His body is just dried, dried meat, dried beef and turkey <laughs> and salt. That makes when he hits someone, the salt changes him. It hardens his body. Is, is that how him. it works? <laughs> well, righteous felon uh, jerky and meat sticks are available to lion players at the training facilities at Allen Park. And each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein. Each stick has eight grams. So that's a lot of protein that James Houston is packing in there. All meat, Jeremy, all meat. Meat gifts, dude. Should we, like is that is that something new in the NFL? Like the all meat lineup, the all pro lineup. We've got the all meat lineup. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, you know who has the all meat lineup? Righteous Felon, because they've got plenty of good flavors. They've got you know locally sourced, all natural Black Angus beef, superior quality, revolutionary branding, unique flavors like the Truffalo Bill with truffle flavors. What about that turkey jerky Ryan loves? What about that with the basil? Uh, the best. Hopefully you can get it. Hopefully you can because Ryan's buying too much. I've been <laughs> buying the Victoria's uh, the Victoria's uh, B.I.G., which is infused with uh, an imperial stout and pepper. Unbelievable stuff. But guess what? We're going to pass on the savings to you because you can go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code 15 at POD15, excuse me, POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Coming up next on the Pride of Detroit POD cast, talk some players.
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Bit of a pronounced break there. Yeah, as always, you can join us live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. As we get into the offseason, I'm sure our breaks will get uh, long again and we'll start to meander into very weird places and maybe the return of the scraps to our feeds because we will have to make up a lot of content that is no longer there uh, from us pumping out four podcasts a week. Uh, I know at least a little bit of that will continue into the offseason, but we got to make up some ground now. People want us to do this every day, Jeremy. I don't know if I can. I feel like I feel like I put it all on the all out on the field last night and now I just need a nap. That's right. I, the, 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 the one thing that I want to say about that feeling last night was I was spent after Ram Seahawks. Like there was part <laughs> of me that was like. Yeah. Like deflated, right? Yeah. It was it was so funny because like all week I was like, there's no way that Dan Campbell will ever let these players and like when I experienced it, I was like, I can't play for Dan Campbell because <laughs> I like part of me was so indifferent to this game at like the start of it. I think I missed like the first couple plays. Like I honestly I was in the kitchen, I was doing other things. I was like, Whatever. I think I as a fan, I was more worried not of the collapse, not of like they would come out flat because they were eliminated. I just thought that like my heart couldn't take disappointment again in the same day that I couldn't take the, the Packers beating the lions on top of the Seahawks eliminating them already. And like, I, I didn't watch some of it just cause I'm like, well, a, I was at work, but also B I'm just like, God, don't show me the TV. Cause I don't want to see great, good throws from Aaron Rodgers. I don't want to see that. Luckily didn't no, we didn't see good. <laughs> we didn't see that. And you know why? For the most part, largely because of our first player, we're going to highlight. Kirby effing Joseph, who, by the way, shout out to the Lions social media team. I don't know if they know what they did, but they did a meme with Kirby, the Nintendo character and the back rooms. And I tried to explain the back rooms meme to Jeremy the other night. He doesn't know what it is. Um, it's deep, 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 weird Internet shit. But Lions social media, you know what the back rooms are. Thank you. And Kirby Joseph is amazing. And Kirby Joseph, even after the game, was strutting him stu- his stuff, talking about how he wanted Aaron Rodgers to sign the ball. And then if Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to sign it, that's fine. If he wants to come back, that's fine. It just means more balls for him at some point. A- A- Kirby Joseph tying Brian Urlacher for the most interceptions off Aaron Rodgers in a season at three. No, in in a career. My in friend. a career. In, in a career. Excuse me. And he did it in a season. He did it yes. in his rookie season. Um, he almost broke that right. He, yeah, he, he probably should have. Um, John Kaminsky owes him a, a spot in the record books, but yeah, I mean, 
it, it, it was good to see because we, we not that Kirby Joseph has played poorly since that last game against the Packers, but he, he's kind of like fallen into the background a little bit. Um, and, and part of that is just, there's other rookies that are balling out, but um, we, we, we see what the line saw in a, in a guy like him, right? It, it's all about the range. It's all about being able to come across from the other side of the field or, or the middle part of the field and be able to jump a ball like that. And granted, Aaron Rodgers made his job a little bit easy last night. Like he threw some moon balls out there that, that Kirby had more than enough time to get to. But at the same time, like that's, that's Kirby's game. That's what he's really good at. And and what we know that he can be really good. He, he still needs to develop the other stuff. He still needs to be a better run defender. He still needs to be better man-to-man coverage, that sort of stuff. But for him to be able to be a weapon like that. And if you can put guys like Tracy Walker and, and, and Deshaun Elliott, who can do some of that other stuff, and just have you in the back if, if you want to go single high. That's a pretty safe feeling out there to have a guy like that with with the ball skills to make plays like that over and over and over again. Uh, so, yeah, it was it was nice to kind of, kind of see Kirby get his his groove back, so to speak, and uh, like just another rookie making plays out there. I don't want to take anything away from Kirby, but the one thing that I just want to kind of punctuate with him is he was one of it's funny because until James Houston happened, Kirby Joseph was the most pleasant surprise of the season in terms of in terms of the play that they were getting from him. Right. I mean, you can make the argument that Malcolm Rodriguez, but like I think that people had loftier expectations for Malcolm just because he from the seasons go, he was kind of spotlighted with hard knocks and everything. Kirby Joseph was just by happenstance because he was the next guy behind Tracy Walker, who suffers an Achilles injury. And then all of a sudden, oh, man, this this guy who we thought would probably take like a year to get acclimated to the league is picking off Aaron Rodgers twice in, in one game and then making one of the greatest passes defended that I think I've, I've seen from a lions player in recent memory it, all in one game. Yeah. And then he did it. Again. He, he really, he really yeah. could have had, he really could have had three picks last night. Yeah. There was there one was that a- he, that he was upset about. So I- my law is not to talk about officiating, but there were some heavy. I mean, some of them were called right, but like there were some heavy swings from the officiating. There was a touchdown taken off the board, but that one was one of them. But I think, you, Ryan, you and I were talking about it. A lot of what makes we, we were talking about this, like Aaron Glenn's defense is so aggressive. It really needs someone in coverage to really capitalize and shut down so that aggression can work its magic. And yeah, Kirby Joseph made some plays to really make them pay. Uh, just just a quick highlight for a player that you just made me think of by saying that is like, you got to give your flowers to Alex Anzalone. That's a guy who like a lot of people were like, they wrote, they wrote him all season, man. Rode a- Anzalone all season, all of all of the off season. Like you did good this game. I mean, it's, it's dude, there's so much shared credit to be had because how, how many times did we roll our eyes, Jeremy at the, the, the amount of times that I think in the Spotify Q and A's that we did, where we were answering questions about the linebacker room. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, is this going to be a thing where like, Oh, all ships will rise and you know, things like that. And like Blood the bath. competition will bring the best out of them bloodbath and all that stuff. Like say what you want about Alex Anzalone, but like, he's just like a steady dude, yeah. you know, and can the lions upgrade from Alex Anzalone from a talent standpoint? Absolutely. But like, he is one of those guys that I think is just quintessential to what they want to build in Detroit. And I mean, look, 
let's call a spade a spade. He was good this year. Not not just better than last year. Not just okay. He was good this year. He was much improved. And he arguably is the reason why Kirby Joseph gets that pick to end the game. Also true. Yeah, he brought yeah. the pressure on that play. And, and you know, he, I think he missed a tackle early in this game, but he also blew up the fourth down and got essentially handed the Lions three points early in that game to keep him in it early. Yeah. And since, we're on, and since we're on pressure, once again, I know everyone's telling me that D-Roy is going to Sauce Gardner, but I think that was a statement game there near the end in the credit for Aiden Hutchinson. Dude, yeah. if, if he doesn't play in a year with Sauce Gardner, Jeremy, he's the defensive rookie of the year. No question. I, I don't think there, I mean, maybe Tariq Woolen is, is in the conversation, but um, Aiden Hutchinson would win it. Um, so unfortunately, Sauce Gardner is, is having an all pro year, not just a, a rookie right. of the year le- yeah. year. But I mean, let's let's two just sacks, two tackles for losses, like just do doing the Lambo leap with the Lions fans after the game. Mm. Um, mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you, you like that <laughs> to me, man, it's it, it's it goes beyond the sacks, although the sacks are obviously great. Nine and a half to, mm. to finish the season leads all rookies. Um, retakes that from from James Houston. I don't know if there was a, an internal rivalry happening there, but again, I think I think kind of an underrated part of the story is that they contained Aaron Rodgers. And remember, like that's that's not an easy thing to do. And that was something that this team has struggled with all year is is containing mobile quarterbacks. And Aaron Rodgers isn't going to run for a hundred yards, but I think in the previous matchup, I think he had 40, 40, like four rushes for forty yards. This game, I think he had like three for 11 or something, something that, that wasn't that significant. And I didn't feel like there were a lot of plays where Aaron Rodgers extended with his feet. Cause that that's also when he's super dangerous, right? It's just like getting out of the pocket, extending plays. And if he doesn't complete a pass, he's going to get a defensive holding because you know, the, the receivers are running routes for, for 10 minutes back there. Not a lot of that happened because, and I think this was maybe the most improved part of Aiden Hutchinson's game all season. He learned to not like, pull back some of that overaggression, whether it was on bootlegs um, or, or, you know, anything like overrunning on, on a pass rush, all those things he, he cleaned up pretty well throughout the season. And so he, you know, he's better at setting the edge in the run game too. So I, I, I don't know what more you could have realistically expected out of Aiden Hutchinson's rookie season, which is why we can't just get hung up that he's not going to be rookie of the year. There, there were two games in a row though, right, Jeremy? Like it's, it's what Dan Campbell yep. talks about all the time in terms of stacking games the the discipline that Aiden Hutchinson showed last week against Justin Fields yep. was not something that Aiden Hutchinson would have done in in week you know in September one two yeah. three four five yeah. right yeah. like so much growth there and like I think that's a highlight of like all the guys that we just talked about on defense is like just growth Alex Anzalone from one season to the next season Kirby Joseph over the course of his rookie season Aiden Hutchinson over the course of his like. That's what has you buying into this football team. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. We got to talk about Jamal Williams. Yeah. Why did we wait so long to talk about Jamal? <laughs> we just, Williams? We, I, I had a good, I had a good segue that you guys finally gave me a good segue. And I'm like, all right, we'll take it. We'll ride the defense a little bit, but no, let's talk about, let's talk about uh, the Kagakaze first Kagakaze of uh, the hidden village of the den. By the way, are we getting lions? Uh, Mempos, we're getting, are we getting uh, not a Mempos? What are, what are those headbands called? I forget. Whatever. You are like, asking the wrong two people. I know off. I am. I, I, I understand. As I, as I was telling Mike, as I was telling our old friend Mike Rothstein, like 
this separates the people who know anime who those who don't. And we're going to hook Mike up to a matrix chair and feed him all the seasons of Naruto and bleach. Uh, that game was that, that, that night was all about Jamal Williams top to bottom, both, both facing down his old team, being a face for his new team, finding out afterwards that his great grandfather passed in, in the week the swing of emotions where he goes from just weeping about that to immediately just talking about dog in him. <laughs> I don't, there was no star that shone brighter out there than Jamal Williams. And he passed Barry Sanders touchdown single season record for a Detroit Lions player. Yeah. Take things back to hard knocks when Jamal Williams became the star of the Detroit Lions, right? Like I, 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 the, the amount of just people who are willing to like back Jamal Williams, as soon as that speech came out about, you know, if you're a puppy stay, you know, pissing on the porch, don't come out where the real dogs eat. Yeah. yeah. How did he cut a better promo on the spot on Monday or on Sunday night football? Like how, how did he manage to, just cement his legacy as like, that's a game that I don't think anybody will ever forget like that. That's a, I mean, that's a legendary performance from Jamal Williams goes back to green Bay scores, a couple of tutties has, I mean, just like the quintessential Jamal Williams game, Jeremy, like yeah. four yards in a cloud of dust all night long. He was great. Um, and I know the the stat sheet isn't I but I almost feel like he was better this game than he was last week. And last week he set a career high with 144 know, rushing yards. Right. Um, Only 100 yards rushing last night. But he, and yet it felt like the Lions could move that ball on offense when I'm mean, on the ground, whenever they wanted to, to burn clock, to pick up in the first downs, half. especially yeah. in the second half. And right. yeah, Jamal Williams and Swift both at both averaged over four yards a carry in that regard. Yeah, that that to me was maybe the most insulting thing they could do <laughs> to the Packers, like do it with their own player out physical them with a team. Like the Packers are supposed to be that team too, right? They're supposed to be a team that relies heavily on the run game. And I know they don't stop the run. Well, so, you know, you, I guess you have to factor in the fact that the, the lines did this against a bad run defense, but still, but they do stop it in short yardage situations, Jeremy. And right. Hey, not last night, not last nope. night. No, nope. um, and so, you know, offensive line gets gets, you know, obviously some some credit there, too. It, it's just amazing to me, too, because everyone like the, the lines let him know. Ben Johnson during the week is like, yeah, he's going to get his opportunities to break the record. And so when the lines are on the goal line both times, the Packers know where that ball is going at each time. I don't think Dan Campbell cared, right? No, of course not. Panay Sewell certainly didn't care because he was. He was snow plowing dudes out there. Um, so, but yeah. Back to Ryan's point. The, like, remember when we got the crack to talk with Jamal Williams and then he invited himself back for a second interview, too? Sure. And like, just I shook his hand today, by the way, and, and oh, yeah? specifically uh, thanked him for that because um, that shouldn't go unnoticed. Like someone who who comes not only comes on the show once, but but comes back a second time. That well, hopefully we'll get him a third awesome. time sometime, maybe if he's for got sure. some time this offseason. But like. As long as he's a lion. Well, I want to, I want to bring, I want to talk about what you were talking about, Ryan, as far as that in a second, like that quote from hard knocks, because in between him interviewing with us and hard knocks, we have a year where when he's, he came on with us, he's talking about positive competition. 
and he's all smiles. And I, did, I didn't think anything in the world could ever put kind of a measure of pain in him like that. And yet what we saw in Hard Knocks was a completely different person who wore that three-win season on his sleeve. And that's why I say when he is like the heart and soul of this team. Like, because I don't think there is a guy who better encapsulates the vision of what Dean Campbell wants in a player more than Jamal Williams. Someone at his heart who is absolutely positive, who is positive, who is upbeat, who wants to win and can't stomach when they come up short and just internalizes all of that and is able to, they're a professional, but on that field, they're able to put that aside and play like hell. Like that's Jamal Williams. Like regardless of anything else he does on that field, like, and yeah, there's a reason why like during hard knocks, he's the one giving those speeches. And I know that doesn't, I mean, he's only been with Detroit now two years, but he speaks like someone who's been a veteran as long as someone like Brian Erlacher was with the bears. Like someone, he feels like someone who's been around for decades, not just two years. And he, he's such a perfect culture fit. And I know we, we, we talk about culture maybe ad nauseum on the show and, and in, in Lions fandom in general, but Dan Campbell just gushes about this guy. Any, anytime he has an opportunity to talk about it, it's not just about the emotion he shows. It's not just how he shows up on game day. It's him working his ass off Monday through Saturday and, and getting ready for those games. And it matters. It matters because it's not just, it's not just making him perform better on Sundays, but it's making everyone in that room. DeAndre Swift, a guy who I, I, you, you don't think DeAndre Swift benefits from having Jamal Williams in that room. He almost certainly does. And, and, and they've developed a, a, a an interesting, nice relationship. And I, I, I can't imagine this team not bringing him back like that. And, and, and Jamal appreciates it too. We're like, do you, Jamal, you know, he had that kind of notorious speech um, when he first landed here about the, you know, being the, the the thrown away girlfriend. But now I got myself a new honey and and, and all that sort of stuff. I, I don't I don't think the Lions could show their appreciation for Jamal Williams any more than they have. And and now Jamal wants to be back. And so, that's I, a yeah, I was going to say to I think Jamal wants to be back, too. And the Lions appreciate what Jamal does. Like they can figure this out very quickly. Yeah. They can. Um, I, I want to talk about a guy who maybe week to week wasn't at 100%, but Frank Ragnow and his performance over the course of the entire season, just like encapsulated in this game, like a guy who was playing through injury all season long is probably Jeremy, right? Like he's going to have off-season surgery on his foot. I, I would guess so, yeah. He, I mean, this is a guy who put that off all year long to battle for a team that was, mind you, would have been really easy at one and six for Frank Ragnow to make a business decision for himself. Yeah. He didn't do that. And he's out there in Green Bay going toe to toe with guys like Kenny Clark. And I I mean, I know it wasn't just like a last night thing, but I think it just needed to be said, like, for sure, this is somebody who maybe flew under the radar in terms of he's just like the rock star rock steady, like center that everybody expects him to be. But like he was doing it in like toughest SOB fashion as possible this year. Yeah. And it's not just the physical pain, which was significant, right? Like he was on the injury report every single week and he got to a point where he couldn't practice on Wednesdays and Thursdays. Right. 
Um, but the me- like, anytime you talk to that guy and brought up the injury, you could tell it was such a mental strain on him to to suffer an injury to the same damn foot that he had to miss like sixty percent of the season last year with. Yeah, and 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 then not only did that start one in six and and you know a frustrating like frustrating season at at every point this year until the turnaround started to happen. And even then he didn't seem like he was particularly happy with where the situation was. You'd ask him about his play. He makes the freaking pro bowl. And he, and what's the first thing he says, I'm not, I'm not playing up to my own standard. Like he had a very frustrating year. And I think he said, this is the most stressful, frustrating year of my life. And then by the end he was also, but it was also the most fun year of my career. And and that just kind of goes to show you the, the mental anguish and release, I guess, of, of the season. Um, I have two more guys I want to get to. I don't know how much time they, we have here. Uh, we we don't have much. I I don't. I want to get some to some guys who are on the tape who are like. We'll have to save some guys who I don't think as highly of from from this game. But I want to see. I want to see who you have, Jeremy, because I had like a bundle of three I wanted to get to in like rapid succession because they're I'll all on it. the D. They're all on the D line. That yeah, that was one of them. So I'll I'll do the the off the offensive player. Let's see how many of you got. Let's okay. Oh, do your offense. Let, we'll let see me just do the any. offensive yeah. player because uh, Khalif Raymond has been the most underappreciated person maybe on this entire roster. And I, I know usually that's reserved for John Kaminsky because we like to always say that he's uh, overlooked. No one's talking way. about John Kaminsky. <laughs> um, Khalif Raymond has been an offensive like how how he's played as a returner. We don't even need to talk about in this game. He didn't really have an impact on that part of the game. But near pro bowler as a returner, the past four games, he's had over 200 yards total. And I think like 11 catches. Mind you, he is wide receiver four. Wide receiver four. He's become the team's biggest deep threat. Goff trusts at, him on the deep threat too, which is amazing. Five eight. He is five <laughs> eight. And five eight and shifty. And then news comes out today. The man broke ribs in the first half of this football game before he oh. even hauled in that bomb. Do you know do you know what play that is? Do you remember watching it? He got I hit don't. so hard and you could see him after the game just like flexing and breathing hard and flexing. I was like, that guy is going through something right now. Well, broken ribs. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, just we don't need to speak on it longly because you all saw what he did out there, but he's become a Guts. go-to guy on third down. He's become a guy to go to on on deep balls. That guy is is so underappreciated, and I'm I'm so happy for him as a guy who another guy who went through a very stressful couple of years in the NFL where he, he botches a couple um, punt returns and and gets cut and all that sort of stuff, and then he finds a home here in Detroit where they utilize his talents to to the most that that that, that, that they can, and he succeeds. And it, it's another one of those reclamation stories here in Detroit where players are going to see that. And and they're going to want to come here and they want to say, like, listen, my my career isn't where I want it to be. Detroit seems to do some good things. Oh, DJ Shark in there, too. Like DJ Shark didn't start sure. the year. Great. And he's the one who seals this game and has NBC Universo singing DJ Shark. Doo, 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 doo. <laughs> um, all right. So let's take let's take Kaminsky off the board because we talked about him there. We are talking about John Kaminsky. I think we've talked about Isaiah Bugs. Last guy I have is just real quick. My new large adult son, Ali McNeil. What? I, I thought you were going to talk about him. No, yeah. no, no. I, I don't. He's he's great. He's great. A two two quarterback two quarterback hits and like the man is just like you. You want to talk about someone who I think had some rough moments early in his career, and now he's the one who's setting the table for this great defensive line play on on a, a lot of these downs. 
Yeah, you want to talk about guys who had growth over the course of the season, right, Jeremy? Like, I mean, yeah. this is a guy who's transitioning essentially what he does on defense from his rookie season to to his second year. And I mean, like like Chris said, there there were some lumps were growing along pains. the road. There were growing pains, yeah. Um, this season, but like you y- you know more about this, Jeremy, but like the Dan Campbell, pretty consistent in his praise of Aleem McNeil, like all season long, like, yeah, Aleem is doing like He's making stuff possible for other dudes. Yeah. It's just not showing up in, you know, the stat sheet. Right. And and you also have to take into account, they changed his position in the middle of the training camp, right? He was a nose tackle for like the majority of training camp. And then they're like, this isn't working. We're getting. Yeah. We're going to a four, three in, and- in, in preseason. Let's move you to the three tech and, and bring in a guy like bugs, bring in a guy like uh, Benito Jones. And even that work, that didn't work for the first half of the season. And then at, at the, uh, at the bye week, they're like, all right, we got to change things up again. So there's there's been a lot of shifting to this defensive scheme. And so Bugs has always kind of been a centerpiece of it. They're just like, all right, where can we put this guy where he's going to be at his best and everyone else around him can either make him better or he can funnel plays to them. And they kind of finally figured it out at the end of the season. And then everything started to click with everybody. And it was good to see. This was, this was certainly a game in which the Lions could have slipped back to those Carolina Panthers tendencies right in the run game. And, mm-hmm. and it was a big test because the, the Bears was a step in the right direction, but it's a different kind of run game. This was maybe a little bit more... Kind of like it's not the exact same, obviously, as, as what the Panthers like to do on the ground, but it, it's a more traditional run game. And you're like, especially okay, with Lions. AJ Dillon, who's been, you know, sure. not a great year for him, but still like he's, he's one of the better backs out there. And and yeah, and Aaron Jones and they bottled those guys up for a second time this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and and man, it, it's just it's interesting to, to look at this, the trajectory of this run defense. And you have to at least be somewhat optimistic that that the run defense is going to hit the ground running next year they'll, they'll they they have the scheme that they like now they have where they think that the players fit best and and hopefully um they don't you know need another half season to figure everything out next year yeah well hopefully yeah i think that's the big thing and we, we got to take a break but one of the themes going into next year is you want to start like strong next year because it's been two very rough starts now for the detroit lions and that's the one worry i have of the regime so far but we're going to take a break and yes, we will address some of the Ben Johnson rumors coming out and maybe talk. How are we going to format the rest of this year? I mean, you want to talk just about the coaching staff in general? I feel look, like that's I a mean, good like, way. Like the outlook, the outlook for the 2023 season. Yeah, and, yeah. And, well, yeah, I think next podcast we'll do like next podcast. We'll kind of do season awards for everyone, too. And yeah, and, some and bigger we stuff. won't talk yeah. about like plans, like free agents and stuff like that. That's for discussions down the line. Just like we've where got the plenty trajectory, of time. where the tra- trajectory of this team is going into the offseason and, and things like that things of that and with nature. that we'll be right back on the pride of detroit pod cast Wrapping up the show, you're on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. <clears throat> Excuse me. My throat's a little screwed up here. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some coordinator news. Now, I think we had kind of gone back and forth a few times about this, Jeremy, but I think we we knew this was eventually going to happen. People were going to eventually take interest in Ben Johnson. Uh, 
the the Texans were the first ones out of the gate because of course the Texans are going to do something stupid like that. Um, but there there's other interest for that. And I think there was someone interested to talk with Aaron Glenn as well. So let's just go over that news and maybe like, uh, I, I don't want to speculate too much on everyone's going to speculate and want to speculate on what this means if the Lions don't have their defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator, but just, I, I don't know. I, I don't know where I'm going with this. Well, yeah. It, so first of all, yeah. Ben Johnson um, has been requested to be interviewed by the Texans and the Colts. The Colts are also interested in talking to Aaron Glenn. Um, that's where we stand as of Monday night. Um, I, I have to imagine that there's, there's going to be more interest or what five or six open jobs right now. And so, yeah, I, I guess, I guess I'll throw it to you, Ryan, first, like, What's your level of concern here? This is something I feel like we've been tracking really since the Lions offense, really, really since the beginning of the year. I mean, the Lions offense has been hot all year. Um, I know a lot of people think Ben Johnson is is under, um, you know, his resume isn't long enough. He hasn't been coordinator long enough. Um, but this is a, a league that loves their young 30 some age offensive minded guys. They're trying to recapture the Sean McVay thing. Right. And and I mean it, it it dates back to Sean Mc before Sean McVay. Like this is oh, an sure. offensive minded league. If you get a young bright mind, then you can ride that for a very long time. Sometimes in this league, unless you you run into a Sean McVay who hits a wall and then wants out. But um, yeah, what just what's your level of concern right now, Ryan? I I don't think that I have a very high level of concern just because of the teams that have shown interest, and I think that when I look at the Lions, I look at a situation that is just better for both of those coaches in the roles that they were in, in 2022 returning to them again, because I I look at it this way, Ben Johnson. Yes. First year as a play caller, right? Yep. I mean, you're putting an awful lot of faith behind a guy who's young. He's called plays for one year. I'm not saying that he isn't capable of it, but I mean, if I'm, if I'm under Dan Campbell and things are heading in the right way, don't I feel like there's some more things that I can learn? And is it really worth me potentially jettisoning the, the rest of my career by going and taking the Houston Texans job or going and taking the Indianapolis Colts job just for maybe, maybe I will make it work. Or if there is that feel, I feel like there has to be that feeling that there's unfinished business here. And I think that is the thing that might bring Aaron Glenn back is because with, with Aaron Glenn staying here, he does have a lot to prove still. Sure. I mean, this th- by, by raw statistics, any, anybody who is outside of the Detroit lions and their coverage, I think a lot of people will look at Aaron Glenn and say, why is he getting head coaching like interviews? Other than the fact that I recognize his name as a player, yeah, a former player. And then I recognize his name from, you know, okay. So he was there for a you know a New York jets interview, a, a New Orleans saints interview last season and, and, and the Denver Broncos. But I, I think that Aaron Glenn like still has more to prove. And I think that Ben Johnson still has more to prove. And I don't think that either of those guys are ready to jump in to a role like that at the expense of, sticking with what I think will improve their stock if they stay. I mean, do you, do you feel that there's any truth to that? I, I, I think there is, you mentioned the quality of these jobs too. I know everyone wants an NFL job. There's 32 of them, this, that, the other thing. I understand that, but like Houston's gone through four coaches in four years. 
Like clearly there is no loyalty or love for anything you're doing there. And uh, what was the other one that he's that Ben Johnson Colts. Uh, Colts. So, so like, do we need to hear Chris's thoughts on the Colts? <laughs> well, I heard Jeff Saturday was coming back. He was looking at uh, staff he wanted to hire already, didn't he? But no, I think putting aside me being number one Colts Colts hater and Jeff Saturday, it's a Sunday. Um, it, these are places where GMs are already in place, Ballard and uh, Casario. So they're going to have no relationship with you. They're unstable jobs. One of them has turned over head coaches very quickly, repeatedly to the point where the rest of the league is starting to take notice. And you're seeing former players saying, if I mean, doesn't apply to, to Ben Johnson, but if you're black, don't take the job in, in Houston because they're firing black coaches nonstop. Um, but th- these aren't stable positions. And it, here's the thing, like it's harder to build that back when you jump into a bat, that reputation back when you jump into that bad position and flame out right away, because what are the resources you're going to have? You're going to have to hit it, hit it strong with a quarterback in a year where there isn't a lot of first round quarterbacks. I mean, Indianapolis and Houston are both in the right place, but those teams have more holes than just their quarterback too. And I don't think they all get solved in one year. And I don't think ownership and the people who have that are patient enough for any kind of long-term growing pains. And you're certainly not experienced enough to understand going from just being a coordinator to a coach. Like I'm sure they'll, Ben, go ask, you know, Dan Campbell. It's like going on being a coach, not just being a coordinator. I'm going to come in and wet blanket this whole thing. I'm sorry. I, I think know you, you guys would. are being, I, know you I think, I think you guys are being way too optimistic. I honestly do. Um, because this is a t- this is a league that loves all- young offensive minded guys. This is a league that takes chances on guys without head coaching experience. This is, and 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 from Ben Johnson's point of view, I get what you guys are saying, but your flame can can extinguish very quickly in this league. If things go poorly next year in Detroit, he might not be getting the phone. The phone might not be ringing off the hook, and and if you sit on your hands long enough, I- I'm sorry. Like great head coaching jobs. They, they don't just come out of nowhere. Like you're going to join a bad team because that team just fired their head coach. That's how this works. The The only opportunities you get where you get to walk into a nice situation is when a long-term head coach retires. And that just doesn't happen all that yeah, often but, in the NFL. How many times do coaches leave on their but, own accord? But there, there's a difference between if this was the Carolina job. I wouldn't say that, but we're talking about Houston and Indianapolis. For now. That, well, that, that that's the question I wanted to ask you, Jeremy, is like the delineation between like, and we're outsiders, but like bad team versus bad organization. You know what I mean? Like, sure. Yeah, you're probably going to inherit a bad team if you're going to be a first time head coach. For sure. I just is, is the profile there is the resume. There are other guys with more deserving resumes right now. Are ahead they? of I have Ben Johnson. Ben, ben Johnson has been around for a decade, man. I, I think I think just everyone's like oh, he's only called plays for one year. So what? You've been worried about losing Ben Johnson for eight weeks now. Yeah. And guess what? He's already a hot name. We're, I, we're, I just, we're I, on Monday and he's already a, a, a nominee for two jobs. But this I also think happen. I think guys are going to yes. want those interviews on him. But if you want an offensive minded young coach, Steichen's out there, too. And he's been a coordinator for longer and with multiple teams as well. Is he is he the one really? I, I don't know. I, he was the me, he, I, like this Eagles offense was great this year. Was it him? 
that's what people are saying by wanting to hire him. I, to me, Ben Johnson is, is on a meteoric rise. What he did today. What, what I mean, who, who's done more with less on offense? Answer me that. Has Sirian is Sirian or anyone in, in Philly? Is their roster better or worse than than the Lions? Best offensive line in the league. One of the best one-two combos and in, in wide receivers. I, I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know who's done more with less than Ben Johnson. And I mean, I mean, just look at the way that we talk about him. Look at the way that we're kvetching about losing him. That's all you need to know, man. We're, he's not a secret anymore. I yeah, know. I mean, but but the the concern then. Okay, so if Ben Johnson does go somewhere else, like what is your your concern level is what about the offense? That's a great question. I don't have an answer for you there. I wish I did. I, I do think that people underestimate Dan Campbell's ability to one, even run the offense himself or to find a guy that's capable of, of doing, you know, his vision on the offense, right. but he the, tried, the, the, right. The, Anthony Lynn. And it lasted for how long? Right. Not very, not very long. Um, but, but then he took over and it was kind of okay for a while. And and I know obviously Ben Johnson had a lot of influence in, in 2021 too, but I don't know. I, it, it, it's hard to know how much confidence I have when there isn't a name, a clear name that 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 steps in and takes his place. And and I, I'm not also not really counting out Aaron Glenn, man. Like he is a leader. He's a leader of men, and that sometimes that's enough. And I'm I, I don't I don't want to pigeonhole Dan Campbell as that kind of guy, but Aaron Glenn is not just a leader. He's also a very smart guy. So again, I I just think I think those are two very in vogue qualities right now in, in a head coach a guy who can lead young men and kind of get with not be this authoritarian type that's on its way out in the nfl which is aaron glenn and then a young offensive minded guy in ben johnson those are the two kind of guys that, that are really being circled by a lot of head coaches or a lot of gms and a lot of owners and so i think the lines have two very valuable commodities and i'm not saying they're going to lose both they might not lose either and 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 a lot of times you do see this, these first round of interviews this first year of interviews, Ben Johnson might get passed over the first year, but I, I just, we need to start preparing at this point. That's, that's kind of all I'm saying. It's like Ben Johnson, if he, if he's here for another year, I think that might be it. But, but Ben Johnson would also be wise to, to realize like things can go sour in a hurry. I, I don't know how many offensive coordinators here in Detroit we've praised for a year. And then the next year it's all gone. Yeah, I mean, countless times. I mean, so, we got we got worked up about Jim Bob Cooter. That's true. Yeah. No, I I do think I do think the offense that we we saw this year is the best. I think best since the nineties, honestly. So I'm pretty darn good. Yeah. So maybe definitely at at a level above where where Jim Bob Cooter ever was, and and he maintained it for. I mean, let's be honest. Ben Johnson has really been running the ship in a positive direction for a year and a half now. Which, again, I think speaks to maybe his resume being a little bit better than some people give him credit for. I I guess the only thing that I have left to say about Ben Johnson is, I know you talk about Jeremy him being in the league for so long. It always becomes a question of, like, what kind of staff can you put together, too? So, I mean, he might know a lot of people, right? And Yeah. He's worked um, under a lot of systems. For sure. 
Um, so he might be kind of plot, you know, uh, malleable in that, in that way too. So we got a few minutes. <clears throat> Sorry. I am like dealing with something in my throat. So, uh, what was the other thing we had on our list? We'll, we'll talk about the future and, and here, can yeah, I, talk, I, I, I mean, let I mean, me kind of are talking about the future. We're all panicked about, you know, coordinators and everything too. So, but I, well, yeah, let me let me try to get the, the conversation here, because one of the things that I'm feeling right now is a little bit of I don't want to say disappointment, but it's like it, it's it's just a little bit of sadness that the Lions aren't in the playoffs right now, because I'm not going to say it's lightning in the bottle what they caught this year, but they were it's playing hard. like a top. It's hard. They, they were playing like a top 10 team right now. They, they're they a team that that is dangerous right now and, and not in the way that like like the Packers were dangerous. Like the Packers won four in a row, big deal. And like they, they beat some bad teams. Like the lions have been playing consistently for three months. They're probably better than half of the NFC teams in the playoffs right now. And so it's, it's kind of sad. And and part of the reason for that sadness is what Dan Campbell said a couple of years ago is or a couple of months ago or weeks ago, where he's just like, we don't want to waste this opportunity because you never know what's going to happen next year. It's going to be a different set of players. It's going to be, might be a different set of, of, of coaches and coordinators. Maybe the injury bug hits you. So I guess my, my question to you is like, how confident are you that this is a franchise already that even if hardships hit this team, they they're going to weather the storm and they're going to be a competitive team. And they're going to be a team that competes for the the division and, and, and beyond that, because there, there are some teams that are like, seem like they're vul- like invernal vulnerable to, to some of those things like the Steelers. I don't know how the Steelers have not had a losing record in 20 years. Have the lines built up enough protection for, you know, if, if things all go the wrong way next year, they're, they're not back here next year. I mean, it kind of goes back to my, my point that <clears throat> if they do fail, it's going to be because of something like it's going to be a failing of their own merits to this particular scheme. Um, I don't, it's hard, right? Cause on one hand we got like the vote of confidence thing in the middle of the year from Sheila Hamp to Dan Campbell. And yet at the same time, these are like six year contracts. This would be a year three and both these years have started foul, but end on positive notes so far. And I would think you probably need a positive note coming out of the gate for next year. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it kind of goes back to the staff thing too. Like we kind of need to know who's on staff for next year as well. And I still think this team has a lot to build. It has a lot to build. It was a little bit of, you know, catching lightning in the bottle, but it always felt at the end of the day, still flawed because as me- again, like as much good as they do on offense and as they can have some good defensive performances in certain games, but it's a defense that also gives up a lot of freaking points and they give a lot of freaking points to start the year. And like you want to talk about <clears throat> lost chances to be in the playoffs. How many of those games to start the year because the defense couldn't stop anything could have very been very winnable. And that's in the past. You can't do coulda, shoulda, woulda, but that's, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't What's, what's the standard for that in year three? What's, what's the standard for that in year three? And I guess my question is what is, what is the goal for the lions in year three? I think like, it's pretty clear. People have said it. it it's competing for the title, the NFC North title like that. The, the, it, it's not playoffs. Mm-hmm. The Lions aren't. I mean, it's not just playoffs. They proved this season, like Jeremy said, over the past like two and a half, three months, they've proved that they're one of the best teams in the NFC. Yep. Yeah. And and they're likely the best team 
in their own division, yet they're not in. They're the only team in the NFC North with a positive point differential. There are ways for this, I feel like, to come off the track. There's a lot of things. Like Jared Goff could plummet back down to earth. Sure. Uh, maybe without Ben Johnson, his entire renaissance is is cracked. Maybe the defense continues to just be woeful and they don't get the right kind of things. And maybe that turns into a midseason firing for Aaron Glenn. Who knows? I, I don't know. There, there's a lot of ways I could see it going wrong. But I but, don't see it going that way because which yep. team, which team has had more production from their rookies in terms of sacks than the yep. Detroit lions. Yep. And what, I mean, it was James Houston, <laughs> like who just comes out of nowhere. Right. Like I, like the, the funny thing was like his, his development over the last however many games of the season, right? Like that's so compact and it happened so fast that it was like, whoa, guys, we need to really like, we need to calm the brakes or we need. All right. All right. Well, he's done it two games now. Okay. Like now teams have tape. Okay. Now it's all right. Now it's no longer like hyperbolic to say he's a guy that I am going to count on being a impact and important player that the lions got in the sixth freaking round. Right. Okay, now you're telling me the same guy that's drafting players like Rodrigo in the sixth round and drafting player and getting yep. I mean, dude, is yeah. is is TJ Hawkinson throwing the block that Shane Zilster threw on the goal line to, right. to put Jamal Williams in the end zone? Like my point is you're telling me the guy who gets all these players in the late rounds, I'm on Ross St. Brown. He has five picks in the top one hundred. He has two picks in the top twenty. Guys. Yeah, no, you're nailing it. You're nailing the point that I wanted to hit, which is the reason why there's, you should have belief that there's organizational consistency in the future is that the team is incredibly young. The the team still has a lot of resources at their disposal to get better players. Cheap. And listen, get better cheap. Yes. Yeah. And then therefore in the future, you can spend some money and you, you look at the guys that got thrust into roles this year and they thrived. And it's not just about getting the right guys in there. It's just about getting guys in there that, that are coachable. And so you get big years from James Houston. You get big years from Malcolm Rodriguez. You get big years from guys like Isaiah Bugs. Oh, guys that Jeremy. you just plug in there. That's and so, the point. You yeah. see those other other players are going to see those players. Oh, they went to Detroit. <clears throat> I'm I'm willing to be coached up. I yeah. want to get a I want to get a bag like Charles Harris. I want to get a bag like I mean like these guys are going to make money. Yep. And, yeah. and, and if, if the injury bugs hits them, they, they've proven that guys can step in and, and, and perform. Oh like, my God. I, say I, it. Say next man. Next up. man. Say up. It. Next, say I, it. I, know, I know the, 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 they, they got hit hard at the beginning of the season and, and they did go one and six over that period. And, and I can't just gloss over that, but now they're starting to get guys that are young got guys that are going to just kind of be in that position right now and have young guys behind them that can step up. And so the depth is, I, I guess what I'm just trying to say in a very simple way is the depth is coming. They have not had the depth in the past. It's coming because they have a bunch of resources, because they have guys that, that, that can prove it. And because they have now built a culture where people just took notice on Sunday night, man, this is a fun team. This is a team on the rise. And so here come the free agents that want to play for you. Well, also us on the rise is pride to Detroit because this has been one hell of a year for us. And we don't we stop. Okay. We did, we, did, okay. we did just okay. That's 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 fair. We didn't we didn't really make the uh, the playoffs of the SP Nation podcast rankings. 
yeah, odd. but I mean, if you're listening at this point of the podcast, like you are the reason this is a why long, this is a long ass the podcast. Yeah, yeah, no, and that 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 too. Like, we've done some crazy shit this year. We're gonna keep doing some crazy shit in the off season. If you're new to Pride Detroit, off season we let down our hair a little bit. We'll all be lions. Don't get me wrong. But you might hear us be a little loopy sometimes because otherwise Jeremy's going to go nuts because people keep every week send him mock drafts. Don't do that. Don't be that guy. He 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 loves getting them. No, don't be that guy. Or girl. You know what? Don't I be feel that like guy or girl. Guy or girl or non-gender, non-binary sure. term. Don't be whatever. that person. Yes, thank you. But I think a new end of this season deserves a new outro, so... For Ryan Matthews, for Jeremy Reisman, and for myself, Chris Perfett, Luchador out. Pride to Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com.